Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Unlocked Podcast, the podcast that uses joy and enthusiasm to inspire and unlock how to be the best version of yourself and to create magical experiences. Today's episode is with the amazing Sylvia Baldock, and it's a great conversation that we had earlier on this year on how to be more significant. And it's a great conversation because it fits exactly in line with this podcast on how to be the best version of yourself. Now, thank you for the support of the podcast. I really appreciate all the reviews that's coming in recently and also to our wonderful patrons. Thank you, Anthony Howe, Sherry Brenton, Steve McDermott and Rory Barnes for supporting this podcast. Now, without further ado, enjoy this episode with Sylvia Baddock. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Unlock Podcast. My next guest is an author, trainer, podcaster, TEDx speaker, and someone who specializes in helping others to recognize and connect with their true value and live their legacy. Welcome to the show, Sylvia Baldock. Hello. Hi, Ricky. I just, I'm delighted to be here. I know we're going to have a fantastic conversation, so I can't wait. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure to have you here. I know we've only just met We've been like the last couple of months, haven't we, with the Professional Speakers Association, but it is a pleasure. I hope you're having a good week so far. Very good week. Two new clients this morning, Ricky, so that's not a bad start to a Monday morning. That is absolutely brilliant start. Absolutely brilliant. Well, Sylvia, I know that some of my listeners may know you and some of my listeners may not have heard of you. So, Sylvia, if we could go deep dive straight into who are you and what do you do? Thank you, Ricky. Well, I'm all about empowering people to become more significant. And, you know, I work with people who want to increase their visibility, their credibility, and ultimately their profitability by becoming more significant. And so what I do is work with all levels of people, mainly senior people um, and teams, and help people to connect with who they are at their core. So really recognize what their unique value is and how to accelerate that value and how to really appreciate what's unique and special about themselves and to be able to share that in a way that's authentic and real because as you know we're brought up not to brag about ourselves we're brought up not to talk about ourselves and therefore (laughs) it's quite a challenge when you meet people and they say what do you do to actually give a really true answer of what you do including you know your speciality your skills etc Because that, oh, you know, don't talk about yourself, be modest thing, it just rears its ugly head and it keeps us playing small. So I'm very much about digging deep and pulling that out and getting people to step up and go, hey, this is me. Not in an arrogant way, but in a way that's authentic. Yeah. I love that, Sylvia. And this is one of the main reasons I wanted you to come onto the show because it fits so in line with this podcast about unlocking people's potential to be the best version of themselves. And live an extraordinary life, which at the end of the day, this is what we all want to do. We all want to be the best version of ourselves and let's be more significant. But before we take a, a deep dive into this becoming significant, because I know that we'll be on that all day, I'd love to find out what was the journey of how you got to this stage? Because for listeners who have never heard of Sylvia before, she has a podcast called Becoming More Significant. But I know that she is inspiring so many people at the minute. But I'd love to find out how did this all start? I know that you've got a fantastic journey. So would you mind yeah. sharing your journey? Oh, I'd to love keep to. Coming? Thank you. Thank you for that question. And uh, if I take you way back to my childhood, you'll probably detect a slight Scottish twang. Yes. Uh, born and bred in Glasgow, very strict Baptist family. So uh, very much encouraged to spend uh, both our Sundays, our weekends and week time with that church community. So encouraged to go to Bible study groups in the week and 
my brothers were in, in um, the Life Boys, I was in the Guides, and we had lots of social activities around that church community, which when I was little, that was fine. It was a lot of fun and, and everything. But as I began to get a little bit older, particularly as I got into those teenage years, I began to realize that I was quite different from my friends. And when I was 12, my, my parents started a church in a very deprived area of Glasgow called Castlemilk, and they held services in a school. And in the evening, Sunday evening, my brothers and I decided to start a youth group for young people because the area was rife with gang warfare, drug abuse, alcoholism, lots of broken homes. And a lot of the young people had been in and out of um, institutions, some of them in and out of prison. So really troubled crowd. And I remember as young as 13, Ricky, standing on a big stage in this school hall, talking to this tough crowd about life and meaning and purpose and getting a really good response. And then sitting around coffee tables, chatting with them. And they were just so appreciative, A, to have somewhere warm to go on a Sunday night, uh, to get you know tea, coffee, soft drinks, whatever, but also to have people that were willing to listen to them without judgment. Mm. Anyway, fast forward, I'm 14, hormones are raging, all my friends are going to discos, going to the cinema, starting to go out with boys, wear makeup, and I'm not allowed any of it. Do you know, it's tough enough being a teenager in puberty <laughs> without all that, you know. Yes, yeah. So I began to feel a bit isolated and I rebelled until eventually I got that grudging permission to go to the disco. And so, sorry to interrupt, is that permission yeah. from the church or from your family? No, from my family, oh, which yeah, was right. pretty much the same thing, to be honest. Um, and uh, you know they called it the den of iniquity you know and prayed for my soul etc so anyway went along a few times Ricky the inevitable happened swept off my feet by a tall very worldly wise gorgeous charismatic chap and because he knew so much about the world that I'd been sheltered from in my Baptist upbringing I was just mesmerized and very much influenced by him during those formative years of your teenage years. And you know, a lot of his opinions became mine. I could hear myself saying things that he'd said. And at 19, I married him, just a child. And then on the honeymoon, realized I'd married a bully, not a physical bully, but now I was his wife. His raison d'etre was to keep me small and I was to be the obedient little wife. And if I dared to spend more than a couple of minutes chatting to another guy when we were in company they'd be held to pay afterwards and tirades of abuse and, and used to say really cruel things like well you know our friends only see us because of me because of my charisma you've got nothing to say and when, when people say that again and again and again you start to believe it and at first you know I started to put my head above the parapet and, and stand up for myself but there would be days sometimes weeks of just silence and eventually I just shrank and I just shrank and I just shrank and I remember in my darkest phase feeling deeply unhappy but the overriding emotion Ricky was deep deep shame because I looked back on that 13 year old girl standing on that stage in that school yeah. hall talking about purpose and meaning and fulfillment and here was I living a life that was barely significant in any way whatsoever and I vowed at that point when I got out there, what my life's work was going to be was working with people that had been suppressed for whatever reason and helping them to reconnect with that inner brilliance that we've all got. 
my big lesson from that time, Ricky, was it doesn't matter how much someone tries to squash the life out of you. They can't turn out that inner light, that inner essence that we all have. It's there. And it's just waiting to be resurrected and those limiting layers peeled back and, and to shine again. So, you know, I'm absolutely passionate about the work that I do today and seeing people unfold week by week when I'm working with them. I mean, that's where I get my joy and my fulfillment. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing. So that's a, a very powerful story. And, uh, you know, I, I, yeah. what do you say to that? That's such an incredible story that I can't imagine what that must have been like to mm. to be in that situation, potentially, you know, like a, a toxic kind of relationship where to a lot of people out there who, who listen to this that may resonate with that. You know, yeah. I, I know a lot of people actually that have had kind of toxic relationships in that way and it, it can crush you, can't it? But it I, I love the thought. Oh, sorry, go on, Sylvia. I was just going to say it can. And Ricky, it's not just, you know, a personal relationship. It can be a relationship with a boss or a mm. colleague who's constantly trying to make you feel small, constantly undermining you. And, you know, we see that all the time in the workplace where leaders lead by fear, not by not yeah. by inspiring and uplifting the people around them. And that's never going to work. Um, yeah. And, you know, that just it makes me sick to my stomach when I see people being talked to like that and being downtrodden by like, like that. So it's, it's any situation. And, you know, I interviewed Liz Cashin last week, who's a member of the PSA. And when she was going through the most traumatic time of her life, she was living with a stepfather who just mentally abused her all the time and wouldn't allow her to talk about a major trauma that occurred in her life because it took the limelight away from him. You know, so it's it's family um, yeah. abuse like that, and it's work abuse, and it's relationship abuse, and it's happening all the time, unfortunately. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it's and I, I guess as well, I know that on your website you're promoting this at the minute about as we're coming out of lockdown at the minute. You know, are we ready to kind of go back out into the world? There must have been some difficulties for many people out there over the last twelve months, being in those relationships that makes you less significant and not being able to be your full potential. It just kind of grains on you, doesn't it? And layers and layers upon you that it just becomes difficult. But I love the fact that you said that it can't squash you because your inner light will never go away. And I love that. And I guess you're kind of like that, that Bunsen burner of dialing it up and making that flame roar again, aren't you? Yeah. But I yeah. love that from such an early age at 13, you'd found something within you that was inspiring with people. So, so where did that come from at such an early age? Because I remember at 13, I was skateboarding, <laughs> trying to, you know, go after girls and had long hair and a horrible, you know, I won't go into too much detail, but... Oh, I bet you uh, look you know, stunning. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was terrible, Sylvia, terrible. But um, yeah, I mean, I was very different at that age. So that was, uh, you know, well, one thing, where did that come from at such an early age? Well, I mean, that's one of the benefits of being brought up in an evangelical family because um, my father in his spare time was, was a lay preacher. So I saw him stand up and deliver sermons all the time. And from a very young age, we were encouraged to speak at church. So, you know, we were going to Sunday school from toddlers and we were encouraged to stand up and speak in Sunday school and read passages from the Bible. And, you know, very early on, and when, when my mum and dad were running that church in Castlemilk, we were also speaking in the church services about our experience of Christianity and what that meant to us, et cetera. So it actually never became the fear that a lot of people have of public speaking because I was brought up with it. It's what my mum and dad, yeah. my mum ran a women's guild and it was just what we did. So it was kind of part of life. Yeah. And that's why at 13, 
it, you know, yeah, the first time I stood on that big stage in front of that tough crowd, yeah, my heart was going like the clappers, but you know, <laughs> you know yeah. once you've done it once and people listen and then afterwards they want to talk to you about it, as you know, that's the best thing about when you speak, when people want yeah. to speak to you afterwards and you've touched something in them. And that happened at 13. So I've, ha- I've had a great love of speaking all my life, yeah. really, which is great. Yeah, I love that. I often describe this to people. And uh, for, for those who won't be able to see this because we're, we're in a Zoom at the minute, but there's a book behind me which has a light bulb cover on it. And for me, that's that moment where you can yes. see those light bulb moments switch on and yes. people can take something away from it. Mm. Uh, well, Sylvia, I love that. So th- let's fast forward a little bit further forward because I know this becoming more silly thing really resonates with myself. Um, but you've had a fantastic career as well. I- I've, I've done my research correctly here, Sylvia. I believe that you were a theatre sister in open I heart was. surgery. I was. Yes. And yeah. then you've done various different roles, such as pharmaceutical sales, obviously coaching. So tell us about how that kind of transitioned in line with this becoming more significant. Yeah, well, um, you know, I went through the normal, you know, progression through nursing. In fact, I did apply for university and was accepted to go to university. But my then um, fiancé, uh, who didn't want me to have a university degree because he wasn't bright enough to go to university and wow. didn't want a wife who had a degree when he didn't. So he talked me out of that, accepted that I could do nursing. Um, uh, but however, I love nursing. It was great. And I did various things, did an intensive care course, did midwifery, etc., and then progressed into open heart surgery, which was fascinating. But, you know, when you're at sister level in nursing, you go any higher, you become a glorified administrator. And I'm a people person. And yeah. It just didn't appeal. Um, but as serendipity would have it, I had an episode of, um, <laughs> this is going to sound weird, hepatitis and glandular fever. Um, <laughs> okay. And so I had to take some time out. And during my recuperation, I used to go to the local health food shop to get tonics, et cetera. Got to know the owner really well. And he said, look, why are you recuperating? Why don't you just come in and do a couple of afternoons a week? Which I did. Fast forward a couple of months. He said, Sylvia, I'm selling the business. Are you interested? So I bought the business. So I ran a health food business for a while um, and had a franchise in the house of Fraser store in central Glasgow as well, selling health foods. Wow. Um, And then... That marriage broke up, fortunately. And so I thought, right, I've got medical experience. I've got selling experience, pharmaceuticals. They were crying out for nurses because you've got that knowledge. You've got that rapport with doctors and surgeons, et cetera. So uh, great time there. And that's when I really got into um, presenting more to groups of professionals. They really trained you well because you were presenting on drugs to highly trained people. So you had to know what you were doing. (laughs) Um, and then started to build a team. So I got into sales, marketing, et cetera. And then that led, led to, to various other things, which eventually remarrying, very happy, thank God, two lovely daughters. <laughs> um, eventually trying to find my niche after a long break for kids, um, was invited to be um, business development director for finance company. And that's when I found out about networking, which I'd never heard of in my life. <laughs> yes. um, and ended up actually running eight business networking groups for women, membership groups. And I was training every month. I was training them how to network, how to present, how to build personal impact, etc. And somebody said to me, you know, you're getting quite good at this speaking lark. Have you have you ever been to the Professional Speaking Association? And then I was invited along to Reading, actually. And uh, I remember hearing Jeremy Nicholas speak. You'll know Jeremy Nicholas. Yeah, very funny. Ex-TV presenter, incredibly, incredibly good speaker. 
Yeah. And John Hitaoka, who, like mm-hmm. yourself, is a magician. So yes. while he was doing his talk, he was weaving in magic. And I sat there and I thought, oh, my goodness, I thought I could speak. <laughs> 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 this is a whole different ball game. And then, you know, the fear comes in. What have you got to say to this audience? They're, they're never going to listen to you, you know, and all that, all that mind talk. Yeah. Um, however, I quite like being scared. So I joined and uh, and then after a couple of months, put myself up there as you did for the five minute um, showcase uh, speaker factor and did a couple of other talks. And the feedback I got, Ricky, was really professional, really good content, really well presented. But where were you? And I went, what do you mean, where was I? Well, what's your story? And I literally said, Ricky, I haven't got a story. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it funny how we don't think yeah. we've got anything interesting to say about ourselves? And yeah. so, you know, having a bit of uh, one-to-one time with some of the fellow members, they kind of dragged the story out of me. But I still didn't have the confidence to talk about it at the PSA. I did it with a group that I was taking through a personal presence workshop. And I'll never forget it. That day I shared my story. I was really nervous because we're brought up not to talk about ourselves. It's a barrier, isn't it? It's that hard wiring. Don't talk about it. (laughs) Yeah. But I remember it was a group of women from the network and they were, you could have heard a pin drop. They just sat there. Some of them were in tears. And then three of them came up to me afterwards. One of them was going through exactly the same as I did through, with my marriage. One of them had just left an abusive partnership. And another one was having a, abuse like that from a boss that so really resonated. And I just thought, wow, when you show vulnerability, then you connect with people at a deep level, much deeper than any well-polished keynote will ever connect with them. So yeah. that then gave me the confidence to to share my story at the PSA, and now I share it all the time. So. <laughs> well, 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 sorry, there's so many things. Here. I've been writing down notes really fast in between this because I was like, oh, yes, th- there's so many things that resonates with me in my own story as well. The vulnerability thing you just finished on there is really important to me as well because I think a lot of people focus, don't they, on vulnerability as being a weakness, but yeah. actually it can be your greatest strength and you sharing how vulnerable you were inspired people in that room to say, hey, I- I'm... I'm going through this as well, you know, mm. and I love that idea. And there's something that made me smile as well. You're absolutely right. It's weird, isn't it? If you went up to somebody in the street and you said, how are you doing? And if someone said, I'm absolutely amazing. I'm having the best time of my life. You'd walk away going, oh, he's a bit arrogant, isn't he? You know, because that's the way we're conditioned, aren't we? We're not conditioned, like you said, to talk yeah. about yourself. But why can't we? Why can't we just say, I'm absolutely great. I'm really great. You know, we always say, yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah. I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. You know, and that goes back to what you were saying about we're constantly taught to be small, aren't we? Which, why can't mm-hmm. we be significant? But running themes here, lots of different things here that really resonates with me. We've, we've obviously had a lot about fear uh, coming up. And I know that something that you talk about is about recognizing fear and uh, pushing out of your comfort zone. And one thing that's really big to me, uh, this, pe- this, this really kind of resonates with me with a lot in my life about standing out from the crowd. I've always wanted not to be part of the crowd. I've always wanted mm. to stand out. And I don't know why or where this has come from, because even to this day, my mum and dad still say, Ricky, we've got no idea why you're an entertainer and a speaker, because we're not entertainers or speakers ourselves. That's what my mum and dad yeah. says. But yeah. I've always been fascinated with this idea of, I don't want to be part of the crowd. I want to stand out. Mm. But I guess that we've seen the spark of for your own personal journey, which thank you for sharing, Sylvia, and how now you're now starting to inspire people. So discussion here of what does it mean to be 
more significant. For anyone out there who might be thinking, I don't know what this means to me or, or whether they can be significant in life, what does it mean to be more significant? Great question. Thank you for asking that. And um, it all started a few years ago, Ricky, when I was watching a webinar and a quote came on the screen from Oprah and she just said, don't worry about being successful. Work towards becoming significant and the success will naturally follow. And it was one of those quotes that light your light bulb moment. It just stopped me in my trance. And I thought, hang on a minute. I've been brought up all my life to work towards success. So, you know, work hard at school, get the best grades possible choose a further education, work hard again, get the best grades there, and then choose a career pathway and work hard. And that will guarantee you success for life. And I thought, well, why is Oprah suddenly saying, don't worry about success? So I thought, well, let's chat to some of my business colleagues. So I went, went out to several colleagues and I said, right, I'm just doing some research and I want to find out from you how you measure success, both in yourself and in other people that you interact with. And the answers were all very similar. It was, well, you know, if somebody turns up at a meeting in a flash car and they get out and they've got a designer suit on and, you know, they live in a great house and they go to the Maldives on holiday, well, I think, well, they're bloody successful, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And similarly, you know, if I, can, if I can afford a really nice lifestyle, I've got plenty of clients, I've, I've got money in the bank, you know, I can afford to go on great holidays, then to me, that's successful. And I got this, this, message again and again and again and and by the way for the benefit of the listeners there's absolutely nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with earning good money money gives us choices however a lot of them said you know when you measure your life in terms of material wealth it seems very shallow because you can have the top of the range car and the biggest house and the flash holidays but that doesn't bring fulfillment. What brings fulfillment is making a difference in the world. And, yes. you know, that's what significance is all about. It's about the impact that we have on the people we live with, the people we work with, and the people we interact with on a daily basis. And it's about being so secure in yourself and in your own value and investing in yourself so you bring the best version of you to everything that you do that you in turn inspire other people to step up and become the best version of themselves. And that creates a, a ripple effect of impact across the globe because you impact on the people in your circle of influence, they impact on the people in their circle of influence and it just ripples out. And that's yeah. what truly significant, being, being truly significant is all about. You know, I, I think that's a fantastic answer. So thank you for that wonderful answer. Again, you've inspired me again. So I, I had like one page of notes and now I've got like four pages of notes here, Silvis, which is great. Um, I think, and I've definitely felt this, especially over the last 12 months, social media, uh, I mean, I have to use it for my business. I have had to reduce my time on it because I think the way society is painted and the way social media is portrayed, that measure of success, we're constantly told every day, you know, these are the great bodies that you have to aspire to. I've got a big lockdown bottle at the minute, which isn't very nice, but you know, oh, these wonderful holidays, people having these expensive cars. Mm. So we often feel small and not significant because we're comparing ourselves all the time. Like you said earlier on, those mind games, mm. we're constantly seeing other people but actually, there's, there's a quote that I have on my, my vision board in front of me, which is uh, by Paul McGee, obviously PSA speaker, oh, lost Paul, great guy. He has this quote from his book, which is, some people's grass may appear greener 
but quite often it's been fertilised with bullshit. <laughs> oh, Which, I uh, love it. Oh, that's typical Paul McGee. <laughs> it's great, isn't it? And it's so right, isn't it? We will often see that measure of success, that expensive car. But mm. I used to think as a kid, oh, you know, I'll never be able to afford an expensive car mm. like that. But it might just be that they've just maxed out their credit card on it. You know, we might right. just think, oh, they, they've earned that car. But you're absolutely right. I think that we paint our pictures and we compare ourselves. But actually, what we need to do is focus on what we are, not what we're not. So you haven't got that expensive car. You haven't got that expensive house. Don't focus on that. Focus on what you are. And I remember writing my journal a couple of months ago when, you know, we were kind of going through a bit of a time when I was feeling a little bit less significant, I'll be honest, because in my industry, uh, about back in April, we were unsure, was yeah. the wedding industry going to kick off? So you start feeling like, why am I doing all this? What's the point in me putting out these posts every day? And I just had a turning point and I wrote in my journal and I thought, rather than focus on what I am not, focus on what I am and I put I am kind I'm genuine and I'm adding value sometimes you may not see it but you are making a difference to those people in the world and I think that we can just get hung up can't we on what we see from everybody else yeah, yeah I totally agree totally yeah agree. so for people listening then who might be probably feeling like a bit of a stuck in a rut kind of thing and, and not feeling like they're living at their best and being the best version of themselves what would you say to people to to try to become more significant? What top tips would you say could help them be the best version of themselves? Yeah, thanks, thanks, Ricky. Um, well, it's all about valuing yourself. You know, when you value yourself, then you don't see self-care as selfish. And I know a lot of people, and, and I've got to say particularly women, Ricky, because women, um, the stats show that women still handle 86% of all the home responsibilities as well as working. So very often they're stretched so thinly that taking time for themselves to go for a walk or a run or go to the gym seems selfish in inverted commas. Yeah. But actually, when you invest in yourself, when you take time for yourself, it makes you more selfless because you've got more energy and more just more joy of life to share and to give. But when we're stretched to the max, then, you know, there's just one more request is the straw that breaks the camel's back. And that's when we just get completely overwhelmed and, and blow a fuse. So, I would say start setting time aside every day for you. And this really came home to me back in 2018 when I went on a retreat um, in Scotland in the Trossachs uh, on the banks of my father's favourite loch, which was Loch Benefer. It was stunning. And we were encouraged every morning, very early in the morning, to go out on our own and either walk down to the loch or walk up into the hills and that on our own was absolutely key, because if you think about it, if you go out with somebody else, you're, you're trying to have a, you're having a conversation. So you're basically following their train of thought and it doesn't allow you just to be totally present with yourself and with your surroundings. And that just walking down to the lock in the morning and just absorbing the stunning scenery and standing there on the banks of the lock and breathing in the fresh air. It was just amazing. It really, really set you up for the day. So, you know, that getting out in nature is really, really important. But every morning I'll wake up. First thing I do is meditate. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people find meditation really difficult. Everybody says, oh, I've got a busy brain, but we've all got a busy brain. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, and the best way to get started is to use a guided meditation. There's loads of great apps. The one I use is Insight Timer and it's packed full of fabulous meditations. And it allows you to transition from that period of sleep when the brain is actually working really hard when we sleep 
Um, and just to jump up and go into your day, the brain doesn't get a chance to transition. Whereas if you stop, meditate, brilliant, good start to the day. But I add yeah. to that a gratitude diary, five things I'm really grateful for, start the day with attitude of gratitude, and then a yeah. journal, just a page of brain dumping all my thoughts. So by the time I actually get out of bed, I've cleared my head and I'm ready for the day and it feels fantastic. Um, and then there's a couple of other things I do. And now because that's become my routine, it's as regular as brushing my teeth. So I don't even think about it. I just automatically go into my self-care routine. And I have to do it at the beginning of the day because I know if I left at the end of the day, priorities would take over and I wouldn't do it. Now, that might not suit other people. If you've got young kids, obviously you've got demands, but <laughs> fit something in in your day that's for you. That means that you're subconsciously saying, I matter. Mm. I matter enough. So it's not just the physical act. It's the subconscious honoring yourself and honoring that you're valuable and it's an investment in yourself and your future. Yeah, I love that. So that's so good and so simple as well. You know, a journal, um, you know, a bit of meditation, so, so, so simple things, but can add up to be huge yeah. along the way. I know that I, I did the Miracle Morning a couple of months ago by Hal Elrod, which is this idea of waking up early. You start by brushing your teeth. So you start getting your brain fired up. You do your journal, you do your visualization, you do a bit of exercise. And it's, it's wonderful because you're spending that time on yourself. You know, there's two things again that you've <laughs> made me think about all these wonderful things. So thank you. Uh, Jim Rohn. I, I, I oh, don't know yeah. if you know. Yeah, love yeah. Jim Rohn. Yeah. You know, I think he said the greatest gift is the gift of personal development is focusing mm -hmm. on yourself, isn't it? Yeah. And there's this word about the past, the present and the future. The past is the past. The future is probably yet to be decided, but the present mm -hmm. is a gift. Yeah. It's called a present. So it's a gift. So focus on yourself. Yeah. yeah. I do. I love that. Mm. I love that. So, Sylvia, okay. So what about these people that may not be thinking, you know, they might be a little bit more cynical or a bit fixed-minded thinking, no, well, I can't do that. I've got two busy lifestyles. Yes, this isn't for me, that kind of thing. What can, um, for people that might be, if they're holding themselves back mm. with those limiting beliefs, what would you say to those people who just think, you know, fixed-minded, no, this isn't for me. I, this is my life. This is how it's going to be for the rest of my life. And that, that won't happen for me. What would you say to them to kind of break those limiting beliefs? I would say, well, I would say, first of all, Ricky, as I said, um, you know, my routine's not going to be right for everybody. You know, for some people, their self-care is going to the gym. Well, I can't stand the gym. I get really bored. So it's not for me. <laughs> uh, for other people, it's going out running. Fine. Great. But, you know, you might love doing something like playing tennis or you might love dancing or you do something that floats your boat even if it's just getting out for 20 minutes at lunchtime and walking around the block or walking down the garden, it's got to be something that fits for you because you can carry on with your busy life and go on and on and on to the end of your life. But, you know, none of us on our deathbeds are going to say, I wish I'd worked more. Yeah. Most people will say, I wish I'd spent more time with the people I love, the people that matter to me. I wish I'd spent more time outdoors. I wish I'd traveled more. But nobody's going to say, I wish I'd worked harder. And, you know, um, unfortunately, yesterday I got some very sad news that that my sister-in-law uh, up in Glasgow has got a very severe form of cancer. And it oh, just stopped me in my tracks. I thought, there you go. There's another reminder. None of us know how many tomorrows we have. The only time we can be sure of, Ricky, is today, is right now. And it's about making the most of each day. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, with COVID, you know, the cases are rising again. Again, we've got no idea whether we're going to be impacted by that personally, I mean. Um, yeah. So why not just live one day at a time, live in the present, play full out, bring the best version of yourself to every interaction and savor every moment. A, life becomes a lot less complicated. And <laughs> yes. B, you get so much more out of every interaction because you're listening to people, you're listening to understand rather than listening to speak. And therefore you ask deep, meaningful questions and you have brilliant conversations because you're there in the moment. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give you a virtual high five here, Sylvia, because that is completely... <laughs> definitely the right thing again another quote i'm referring to now my vision board which is by robin sharma one of the biggest one of the saddest things in life is to get to the end and look back in regret knowing that you could have been done and had so much more Mm. the present is a gift so go live it and be significant i love that well sylvia thank you firstly for obviously coming on to the show uh, this this really you know powers me up i love talking about this it's a, a big passion of mine and it fits so in line with this podcast mm-hmm. one of the questions that i've been asking a lot is what can we do to make a difference this year oh there's so much ricky and you know um actually i'll give you a practical example because i went through a really tough time um sort of between february and april may time when business just wasn't coming in. I mean, I had, you know, I've got a raft of coaching clients that was happening and everything, doing some talks, but not nearly as much as usual. And I thought, this is, this is really tough. Um, but A, I was able to go inwards because, because I have such a robust self-care routine. I was able to meditate more. I was able to get out in nature more. I was able to just turn inwards. But, but B, I thought, well, let's give more. And all during lockdown, I've been doing the shopping for a 94-year-old neighbor because, you know, he's kind of out on his own and, you know, visiting him once a week. And I thought, right, he's at the stage now where either he gets help or he has to go into a home and he desperately doesn't want to go into a home. He's lived on his own for years. He's in a lovely position, beautiful views. So I approached him and I said, look, you know, business is quite quiet at the moment. I've got a bit of time why don't I become your carer and come in and do some cleaning, do some washing, etc. He bit my hand off. He beamed <laughs> from ear to ear. And I tell you what, Ricky, his mood, because he did suffer a lot from depression, his mood has lifted so much wow. just from seeing me. You know, I go in four days a week now and spend time with him and do whatever he needs doing and everything. But not only that, I feel great. <laughs> you know, I come away and I'm smiling from ear to ear because that, giving to somebody you get so much back from it and that's not why I'm that's not why I'm doing it I was doing it just to just to give you know but I totally underestimated what it would feel like to do that so I would say there are so many people who are suffering right now there's so many people suffering from isolation and lockdown feeling incredibly lonely and that's one of the biggest drivers of anxiety and depression reach out reach out even if you're just shopping for somebody even if you're popping in and having a coffee or just stopping and chatting to an old person who's walking along the road, give back because it will make you feel great. Love that. Fantastic answer, Sylvia. Absolutely fantastic. Well, Sylvia, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. So if people want to find out more about what you do, you offer a range of different services and also you have an amazing podcast. How can people find out more about you? Cheers. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Just look Sylvia Baldock on LinkedIn or Google me. My website is sylviabaldock.com. 
or book a call. It's just calendly.com forward slash Sylvia Baldock. I'd be delighted to talk to you. Oh, thank you very much, Sylvia. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for coming on to the show and uh, have a good rest of your week. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ricky. It's been delightful. Thank you for listening to this episode. And if you did enjoy this episode, then please head over to Apple Podcasts or Podchaser and leave us a little review because it helps get this podcast shared to more people around the world. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. And I will join you on another episode of Unlocked. Goodbye.